Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. Lots of football this week, so Bucks and Brian are strapped in and ready to create even more content than normal. We got three game weeks coming hot and heavy in the span of under 10 days time. Brian, good to be with you. How are we doing tonight? I'm always hot and heavy when it comes to FPL. These matches are going to come fast and furious, and we are here to walk you through the strategy as these matches could see a lot of rotation, and we have City and Arsenal blanking in game week 12. Let's do it. Ain't that the truth? I would say normally I'm heavy and you're the hot uh, when we break down the co-host dynamic of this podcast. Oh. <laughs> you're you're beating me in the rank, so I can't be that hot yet, Bucks. Uh, that's fair. All right, let's get to our game week 11 performance. I'll start out. I came in last place on the podcast, 47 points total and a 20K red arrow. I'm now down to 191,000 overall. So Looking at it from a big picture perspective, I'm really having a great season. I'm started out solid and I've just been level and I've been able to hold my wild card, which I will be using in due time going into game week 13. So blank game week 12, which is coming up in the midweek is the last hurdle that I have to kind of uh, volley over before I really can take the first half of the season into overdrive. So 47 points, not great, but not terrible either. My captain Holland blanks and my top scoring player was Ramsdale in goal with 10 points. Oh, Rammers, you got one of those lucky goalkeeper hauls this week, which we'll obviously cover later in the rundown. But yeah, that's got to feel good to see a 10 spot next to Rammers. Yeah, it was good to just get any double digit return. So he gets 10, Perisic gets eight. Mitrovic gets seven and Trippier gets six Uh, frustrating Cucurella. I started over Andreas this game week and Cucurella gets the one half cameo. I thought he played pretty well for one point. It makes no sense that he got subbed off at halftime when Chilwell was on the yellow. So that was like a what you doing Potter kind of moment there. And that cost you probably five points, which is very annoying. He shanked me. He shanked me. And that was that was really the difference between a small green arrow and a small red arrow but say la vie keep it moving into blank game week 12 and uh, this is going to be the game week to determine really how everything is rolling going into wild card how about you brian how we doing game week 11 yeah just about right near your point total i ended up on 50 points friday got off to a banger with tony netting a brace in a 2-0 victory versus brighton so that was a great feeling heading into the rest of the fixtures for saturday morning but everything from there just was kind of mediocre um when i woke up for the 4 30 a.m fixture for lester versus crystal palace I had three players going, so I definitely wanted to set the alarm early and get up to watch that one and ended up in a 0-0 tie. But 92 minutes, 93 minutes in, I'm I'm feeling fine. Got Gahey on bonus points. He ends up with seven. But then Maddo, the ultimate tilting experience to start my Saturday was him getting the yellow card for a dive in the box late in that one, which means he is suspended for the next match, which is crucial to my team. So now I got more flags to deal with on top of Reese James, and this will propel me into a hit going into game week 12. So that was definitely the most annoying part of this weekend, I'd say. 
I would second that. I also am a James Madison owner, and he's been a flopper the last two game weeks. We'll cover uh, his roller coaster ride later in the podcast, but he's an automatic transfer out, especially as we are desperate for warm bodies that have fixtures in game week 12, and he is going to be serving a one-match suspension. Incredibly frustrating, really a good uh, analogy for how the entire Leicester season has played out thus far. Yeah, I'm looking for lukewarm bodies, even a, a Nico Williams one or two pointer. This <laughs> upcoming midweek fixture would be great. Um, but yeah, so 50 points for me. I ended up getting Gagey for seven. That was big. He was, you know, 4.3 million. So love to see that come in. Trippier was six. Then my midfield, all blanks. Zaha, Martinelli, De Bruyne, Madison, all blanks. So that's frustrating. And then um, Mitrovic comes in with a cheeky pen and a bonus point. We both decided to start him over Andreas. And early in that match, Andreas got the assist. So we're like, oh, he could be on five points, maybe bonus. But then Mitro comes good and gets a pen later on. He clearly looked about 70%, was not moving very well in the box. But he does what he does, and he helps lead the team. Great penalty taker, and he finishes another goal. And then um, Holland blank. So all in all, 50 points. Green arrow for me because my rank is pretty bad, but... I'll take another green and head into game week 12 with a lot of moves to make. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? And, you know, we both ended up on very underwhelming scores, but we both beat the average game week 11 average score was 46 points total. So uh, I just beat it out. You beat it out by four points, but the manager of the game week and someone who is not having a lukewarm season by any stretch of the imagination is Corby Olsen. He takes down another manager of the game week title, 67 points all out, and he is ranked within the top 10K. Uh, I think even within the top 6K, if uh, I looked and the updates are all in, he's having a banger. Yeah, absolutely huge week for Corby. Again, he's had Saka since the beginning of time and had a lot of patience with him, and he's a huge Gunners fan. His team name is Gabby Gunners. So he comes in with Tony with 12, Gaita with 11, Kane and Saka both with nine. And then he gets six point clean sheets from his transfer in, which was Kilman from Wolves. They clean NFO and then uh, trips as well. So good strategy from Corby to have a number of pen takers in his side. That's what Kane's been doing game week in and game week out. And then also, you know, he found the opportunity to move Reese James to Kilman because they were playing NFO and that will be a popular strategy as we head into game week 12 with Brighton hosting NFO at home in the Amex. Yeah, and goes without saying that Corby is now first in the mini league in the FPL Blues podcast league that we have going. He is the one to chase and set your sights on uh, targeting to even close ranks on because he's just having such a blinder of a season that even being within 10 points of Corby means that you are really having a amazing season, likely within the top 100K, if not well higher than that. So bravo to Corby. Glad to have you as a listener of the podcast. And uh, hopefully some of our good insights are rubbing off on you. Uh, We could use some of the magic potion uh, that you're using this season for our own teams uh, going into blank game week 12. At the very least, he increases our overall standings um, when you look at leagues uh, head-to-head and compared across the FPL landscape. So well done, Corby. Uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with the standout performers, highlight a lot of these goalkeeper halls. Wow, Masters of the Keep 
and then also highlight some of the floppers. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Let's get into it. This is going to be a slightly shorter episode than normal. So let's cover the top performers in game week 11, starting with the top scorer of the game week, Money Mace. He took the podcast cover art that we gave him going into this episode, and he really delivered. He had a brace. He actually had an unassisted brace, which is even more impressive. Clean sheet point and three bonus for 15 total. He looks really good, and he could be a differential punt going into blank game week 12. Chelsea traveled to play against Brentford, and I think Chelsea under Potter just look like they are really, really revving up to speed and look like potential true title challengers. I mean, they're a little off the pace, but I think they're 14 goals to zero conceded since Potter came in. Very impressive. You'd love to see that as a Chelsea fan, and he's getting it done. Thank goodness, because we were off to a little bit of a rocky start, and he's also been pulling the right strings when it comes to UCL. So good to see that Money Mace is essential for the Chelsea side. From a creativity standpoint, he bangs in a wonderful, wonderful free kick from outside the box. And his first goal was just a gift from the gods. Uh, Mings just headers it between the keeper and no man's land and Mace jumps right in there and puts it in. So he now has uh, 12 and 15 point hauls back to back and play Brentford next. So definitely somebody to be on your watch list. If you're looking for replacements in the midfield who do play in game week 12. Oh, uh, you were being way more charitable. I was going to say Mings couldn't uh, figure out where his head and where his ass was on that play because uh, <laughs> it was so far up his own ass, the way that he doinked that ball back straight to Mason Mount. That was a total gift. That was mana in the desert for one Mason Mount. And uh, Chelsea really needed that because they were getting dominated. And that goal was really the only thing that was separating the two sides in the first half. And then uh, he gets a really quality second free kick goal uh, to double the lead and uh, ice the game. So he was super impressive. He's a player that is definitely on my watch list uh, approaching my wild card. Next up, Dominique Solanke, the budget butte of Bournemouth, gets another return. He gets a dozen points, a goal, assist, and three bonus points. And notably, I think he was the best player on the field in that Bournemouth full match. And I think that's comfortable to say that. Yeah, very impressive. A lot of folks jumped on him as their enabler in their side at 5.7 million on a kind of early game week, seven, eight, nine wild cards. And he has been on fire in his last five matches. He has 36 total points and that comes out to about, you know, 7.2 points per game. Very impressive. If you're getting those kinds of contributions, like we were saying before, the team isn't very good, but the run of fixtures has been so easy for Bournemouth. They're actually able to, um, you know, not just park the bus and, um, you know, have a bit more of an open style and attack. So, Uh, With their upcoming fixtures, he's definitely somebody that you could look to bring in because they have Southampton, West Ham, Tottenham, Leeds, Everton leading up to the World Cup. Two quick things in response to that, Brian. One, the advanced stats just absolutely hate Solanke. He has scored all these returns and he has never come close to even 0.5 XGI. Um, So this is the second time he's gotten 
two returns in a match. And he hasn't even broken 0.1 XGI in either of those games. So that's something just to double click on in case you are looking to transfer him in. He has been getting hauls, but he has been getting, uh, according to the stats nerds at least, quite lucky. Uh, on the other side, I do think it's time that we revise our position on Bournemouth. Since their new coach has come in, they are a good team. They are solid in defense, and they just look like they have a strategy for how they're going to stay up. And that relies upon this guy billing and this guy Solanke delivering match in and match out. They're two fitness monsters, and they are putting it to teams right now. Uh, as a duo. So very impressed with Bournemouth. They are top half of the table and it's not a fluke. They deserve to be there. They're putting together some nice string of results. And for a promoted side, they look like they might actually be the best of the bunch. Dominic is no donkey and he's on pens. So you can rely on that. Uh, we saw this weekend where uh, many FPL managers had Kane, Tony, or Mitro, and they all got pens this game week. So that also adds up over the course of the season. And at that price tag, if he gets a haul every one out of three game weeks, you're you're sitting pretty. All right, let's donkey punch on to the next guy, which is Ivan Tony. He also Ow. gets a he also gets a dozen with a brace. He gets uh, two goals, a yellow card, and three bonus for Brentford, who were extremely impressive against Brighton. I think we both had the other side of this match. So to see Brentford come out, be so stout in defense and really dominant uh, from a finishing perspective versus Brighton, who were super wasteful. Uh, great showing from Tony. And we'll talk about the goalie a little later on. But uh, they were two standouts from that Friday fixture. Tony didn't have a lot of shots in this one, actually only had two shots and converted them both, but his his um, creative cheeky heel flick in for the first one is a deft striker move, and you love to see a player have the confidence to pull that off and get it into the back of the net. So he's going to tick all season. I have him in my side. I'm very happy. I think he's going to price rise a few more times, and he's just somebody that you don't often captain, but you're going to get 5 to 12, 13 points you know, every couple games from him. He's the third top scoring forward at this point behind Holland and Kane. So he's offering tremendous value. He looks like he's a real player and uh, you love to see strikers that are clinical finishers. And Tony fits that bill tenfold. Speaking of tenfold, he is 20 for 20 Two tenfolds equals 20 for 20 from the spot for Brentford. So very impressive penalty taker. And those points definitely help in FPL. For sure. Let's go to the last of the outfield players. And we want to highlight Diego Delo. I think that's it. That's his name, right? Yeah. We'll keep this in. Diego Delo, whatever your <laughs> name is. Max bonus and the clean sheet for Man United. He ends he's, up he's, a, he's a Diogo. He's a Diogo. Diogo. Ah, who cares? He's not going to be in my FPL team, so I don't need to know his name. But Diego Delo. He's probably not going to be in Barcelona jersey anytime soon either, the way he's playing for Man United, worth saying. But he gets nine FPL points, 4.6 million, and really strong defensive performance from Man United. And Joe Linton hit the bar twice on one play, but it doesn't oh, the matter. Double, double doink, double donk. Oh. It doesn't matter because they double Diego, Diogo'd into nine FPL points <laughs> for Delo owners. Love to see that. Let's go to the goalkeepers. This was a game week all about the keepers. 
I don't think I've ever seen a week where goalkeepers got this many FPL points. Truly incredible. A number of absurd scorelines. And of course, I had um, Pickford in gold, so I got none of those points. But uh, we'll start at the top. Jose Sa, 14 points, clean sheet, PK save, and three bonus for Wolves. He's a little bit expensive at $5 million and nobody wants to watch Wolves ever play, but good for him. Comes in with a big haul. He's a great penalty kick stopper. Uh, he's done it multiple times, and he's probably actually been the keeper most featured on the team of the game week. I think this is his third double-digit return of the season. So he's wow. quietly having a very quality campaign, even if Wolves are sputtering to get out of first gear. Next up, we have Gaita with 11 points, clean sheet, two save points, and three bonus. This was a kind of lackluster match between Leicester and Crystal Palace. I think Crystal Palace are still trying to find their identity this season. They looked a lot more impressive towards the back half of last season compared to this one, but he comes in with a clean sheet, uh, had a few good saves as well. I know we were watching for Madison points in that one, and um, he he was very much a brick wall there. So at $4.6 million, I believe, great haul for anybody who had him, and he was a popular target. I know you and I were going back and forth between him and maybe Pickford on my wild card, and uh, he comes good with 11 points. And I, I appreciate that because he also helps Anderson and Gahey, who are popular FPL Assets uh, get clean sheets this week, too. Yeah, and Lester were definitely the team closer to breaking the deadlock. So uh, he put together a stalwart performance. Next up, Kepa Ariza Balaga. I'll just say this. I don't think I ever expected to see Kepa retake the number one spot at Chelsea, but he's clearly locked that up. And Graham Potter trusts him. He's much better with his feet. And he was making some incredible saves, um, Mendy-esque saves during the Champions League run uh, for Chelsea. So really impressive for him. 10 points, clean sheet, seven total saves. So that's two save points and two bonus today for Chelsea. Incredible effort. And uh, he's definitely one to watch. Yeah, if you're on game week 13 wildcard, he's going to be a popular choice. Him and Ward as your combination for the run into the world cup. And he had a couple double saves in this match where were truly incredible and really saved the hides of the rest of the Chelsea team in this one. Keppa actually faced the highest non-penalty XG as a team in Villa than anybody in the whole weekend. And he kept them out. So very impressive wow. um, showing from him. And we can only hope that our defense continues to improve. Obviously we'll be missing Reese for the next, oof, eight plus weeks until the other side of the world cup. So that hurts, but as a unit, we have a lot of players that rotate in back there and the system seems to be working under Potter. So he's a great shout for upcoming game week, 13 wild carters. Yeah. And only 4.4 million. So uh, truly a budget darling next up, David Raya and Aaron Ramsdale. They both end up on 10 points a pop. They each get save points and bonus. Uh, 10 points from a goalkeeper is tremendous. And if you brought made a transfer to bring in any of these guys for someone like a Pickford or someone like a Nick Pope, pat yourself on the back. Congratulations. That is a great move to save budget and is looking like a really prescient move moving forward as the fixtures line up really nicely for a number of these keepers mentioned above. 
there's no reason why you should spend more than 4.5 in keeper. So that that's the sweet spot. I think Pope obviously delivers a clean sheet this week, but in general, you don't know when you're going to hit the lottery ticket here. So just save the budget and go with a, a cheap goalkeeper and hopefully they'll pick up cleans along the way. And these bonus points come in. All right. So that was the good. Let's get to the bad. The floppers this game week flopped in a big way. And let's start with the guy on both of our teams in the midfield, in the middle of all the chaos going into blank game week 12. Fucking James Madison. Fucking A, bro. Come on. Woof. This one was a, I like rage napped after this. Like I didn't even, as soon as he got the yellow card, I just like shut it down for at least like 45 minutes. And I could not believe that. He got that in the 94th minute. I really am just struggling to put out 10 or 11 men in game week 12 and do not have a wild card. So it was essential for him to avoid this situation, especially this week. Like it would have been better if it would have been next week, but he couldn't, uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't help us out here, Buck. So very much an annoyance. Um, He was very heavily involved in the match. So to get no points and then to get this extra kick in the nuts definitely uh, hurt. And you know what? Lester really can't afford to be leaving points on the table. And he was pretty close to scoring a number of times in this game. We mentioned above Gaita was a brick wall. But to flop like that with VAR in this age of football is just so silly. I mean, you might as well just punch your own manager, punch yourself and punch your FPL managers right in the gut because that's what he did in this act of silliness and of shithousery. It was painful to watch. And I have to imagine the Lester teammates of his are not too plus going back into the locker room, going into game week 12, where they really need to get results. They need some results at some point this season. Cause right now they're comfortably in the drop zone and without their best player, it's going to make matters even dicier in game week 12. So no bueno from Madison, any way you slice it. Yeah. They'll be facing leads next week. So maybe Pat Patrick Bamford will get off of our floppers list and put in some goals, but this week he misses a penalty kick. Uh, Saliba gets a handball and Honestly, Leeds deserve to tie in this match. They were really pressing Arsenal in the final 35 minutes of this one. And I think that uh, they got unlucky, but you can't be missing pens when you got uh, when you got Bamford at the spot. Really, I think Leeds were, they really looked like they deserved to win it. The way the second half was going, they were much more aggressive. They had the better chances and they were super wasteful. Most of all, Patty B., that penalty kick was nowhere close and he really let my goalkeeper Ramsdale off the hook. Didn't even have to make a save. And that is the worst thing you can do from the penalty spot. You at oh, least man. have huge. to challenge the target. Huge moment for your FPL team too, with Rammers having a really solid game. I mean, that, that would have cost you bonus points and the clean sheet. So you would probably would have gone from like 10 points down to like three or four. So that was, that was a, a good moment for you, for him to miss that one. Um, I know you were actually probably being greedy and hoping that Rammers just tipped that ball uh, off. So you would have got the extra points for the save, but, um, and then at the end of the match too, he gets in the shithousery with uh, Gabriel and uh, blasts into him. And then Gabriel 
gets called for a red card and kind of kicks his leg out. And then it all gets reviewed by VR and rescinded to a yellow card instead. So very weird ending to that one. And Arsenal fans are flying high still. Yeah. Best start ever for Arsenal in the Premier League. So uh, really impressive for them. They're comfortably in first place after City dropped points. And that brings us to the guy probably most responsible for why City dropped points. And that is one Jao Cancelo from the top of the mountain from FPL all the way to the gutter in the dirty streets of Brooklyn, New York. Jao Cancelo pretty much single-handedly responsible for bottling that play that led to the Mo Salah solo go-ahead game-winning goal uh, at Anfield. Really frustrating for him, for his FPL managers, and for Pep because I think this was one that City came into as heavy favorite. So to not score and then to concede in this manner is a, a real wobble from a mental standpoint, not just a football standpoint. He just did not have to try and kick that ball out when it was coming down from the angle from Allison, you know, booting it long and he just gets turned around completely. And then Salah gets another one-on-one breakaway, which he had two in that match uh, earlier. He could have bagged one as well. So huge match for Liverpool. Hopefully this can help galvanize the team and they can turn their season around. They were very defensively stout, got a few things to go their way. And Cancelo just makes a boneheaded error, a Trent-esque error, if I do say so myself. Wow, you went there. All right, let's keep it moving. Let's go and take a look at blank game week 12. There are only nine fixtures. So we have one less than normal with City and Arsenal blanking. So this is an important FPL reminder that you need to bench those guys. And if you have more than four of them, probably it's time to look at the transfer market to bring in players that have match weeks and replace the ones that don't. But there are certain juicy matches in blank game week 12 that we want to just shout out for targeting FPL returns from. Yeah, let's start with NFO at Brighton. This is an opportunity for you to bring in somebody like Dunk or Veltman or also Trossard. I think Trossard is going to be a popular captaincy shout this week. So somebody that you should definitely monitor to bring into your team, especially when you're looking to move off somebody like Martinelli, Saka potentially, or Madison this week. Yeah, I wish he had penalty kicks, but uh, still a great option and a player who's already coming into my side for sure. Next up, Chelsea at Brentford. I think this one is a little less lopsided than I thought going into game week 11, but Chelsea, the way they're playing, they should be favored against most teams. So uh, I think Chelsea should get the W and I predict this is a 3-1 Chelsea victory. Yeah, this one's a bit tough to call because last year Brentford did give us some trouble in in the matches in the head-to-head. So um, expect this one to be rather cagey. I'm expecting a 2-1 Chelsea victory. Then we also have Everton at Newcastle. This is a good opportunity for your defenders. So if you have Pope and Trippier, you're feeling pretty solid there. I have Pickford in goal. You know, sometimes Newcastle can really turn it on. But as you saw today versus Manchester United, when they have to break down a team, it's much more difficult for them. And so far, we've seen Lampard park the bus time in, time, time out. Yeah, Wilson is a player that I thought could be a great differential, but he does not look like he's fully fit as of yet. He's come off early in the last two matches for Newcastle. So I think Newcastle get the result 2-0, but I think it's coming from unpredictable sources, maybe Bruno G and 
Almiron, let's say, uh, for those goals. Lastly, we have Villa at Fulham. So Fulham are doing actually better in the in the table than Villa. So Stevie G and Villa sit in 16th place right now. We have been very unimpressed by them, very uninspired. Uh, with that being said, they they really did look like the better side for a lot of the match versus Chelsea. Thank goodness for Kepa's heroics, but they'll need to turn it up and get three full points versus Fulham. I know you and I are counting on both Mitro and Andreas to probably start in this one. So we're hoping to get some FPL returns from those guys. Fun fact from the broadcast today, Villa currently sit in 16th place and they have the seventh biggest wage bill in the premier league. So uh, they are falling way short Ooh. of expectation. And this is a must win game for Stevie G. I think he sees the door uh, following game week 13. If they don't get at least three points from these three fixtures. And so far he has zero from the first one. So he needs a result bad in this game. And lastly, let's talk about the pure watch. We're going to have Manchester United playing Spurs at Old Trafford. This could be a really fun match. I have no idea which way it will go. Both teams have been struggling a little bit from an attacking perspective, especially over the last like week or so. But we see in most of these cases that Spurs grind it out and find a way to get the three points. Uh, I think there will be some heavy rotation with the wingbacks for Spurs. So it's kind of difficult to see if we're going to have Sess and Doherty play in this one, or if we're going to see Perisic start. I think that's one, one with both uh, the legendary goal scorers, Kane and Ronaldo putting one in the back of the net. Let's take okay. a break. When we come back, we'll address some community questions before we got to get out of here so that we can upload this podcast and make our boatload of transfer moves. All right, we're going to answer your community questions. Thanks for dishing those out to our mailbag. And we are looking forward to giving you the info you need to succeed in game week 12 with both Arsenal and Manchester City blanking. So let's start with Clayton Jenks's question asking us about Salah. Does the quickest hat trick in Champions League history and a goal against City instill enough confidence to bring Mo back into your FPL side? Bucks, a lot of people have KDB. Would you upgrade him to Salah for this game week? Yes, because he's going to play and he's likely going to play 90 minutes. So He's a good get, especially if you don't have your wild card. I would almost say he's the priority transfer if you do not have a wild card because Liverpool play Forest in game week 13. And that is, as we've mentioned many times on this podcast, the number one fixture to target. So not only does he get a match against West Ham, not the best defense. And again, he is going to play. He's healthy, so he's going to play. And then he gets to play Forest. So he's a great future thinking move. And I think it's just a natural swap from KDB to him, not so much of a premium price wise. And he's finally in form and we haven't really seen that all season. Yeah. And the Liverpool attack continues to put up really good numbers. If we're looking at midfielders over the last four game weeks, Salah has the third highest expected goal involvement out of all midfielders, only behind Saka, who's on pens, and Foden, who had that eruption of a kind of quad haul, right? So Salah is putting up the numbers. He's in the right spots. I did want to note that 
in this match versus City, he was playing a lot more centrally because Darwin was on the bench. So that does worry me a bit if Darwin comes back in and is rotated in, if that pushes Salah back out to the touchline. But I still think they're going to score goals, and that NFO fixture potentially has captaincy written all over it for game week 13 if he can return again versus West Ham because Brighton will put up a little bit more of a defense. Holland is still going to be an amazing option, but I could see people that bring Salah in also captaining him in game week 13. Salah is actually a differential at this point in the season and game week 12 is all about variance. And it feels good to know that you might have the second best player in the league as your captain for game week 12. Whereas other people are taking punts for guys like Trossard or Bowen or Mount who are less established and have less explosive ceiling potential that Asala does. So uh, I really like that as an idea, Clayton. All right, next up, Sonia asks for a one-week punt. Would you go with Salah or Mount? And we're probably assuming that her and a lot of managers are looking for these types of plays before wildcarding out into game week 13. So I think it's important to have a larger discussion about who some of the top game week 12 midfielders are, Buck. So let's start from the top. Trossard versus NFO, I think that's a fantastic play. Even if you're not going to captain him, he should be one of your targets in. And I think is even worth the minus four to bring in this week because he could easily get a brace versus Forrest. Yeah, I was going to say, neither of these guys, I would think, are one-week punts. If you're going to get them, you probably want to hold them for a couple game weeks uh, as the fixtures make sense for both Chelsea and Liverpool. Uh, Trossard, I agree with you. He is the number one option as a one-week short-term punt before wildcard in 13. He has this fixture and then City. So get the money while it's hot. Get those returns while they're on the table against Forrest. And then bang them right out of your team and transfer (laughs) them out for someone else like Foden or Saka in 13. So I really think he's the number one option. Zaha is worth mentioning. They have a good fixture this game week against Wolves. I think that's a winnable match and there should be returns there for Palace, assuming they actually turn up to play, unlike they did against Leicester. I also think Bowen is a great shout. And differential, Almiron. I mentioned him earlier in the podcast. He's playing really attacking. He had two good chances against Man United, which he didn't convert. And I think he's going to be a budget option. I know I'm trying to move off a guy like De Silva, who needs to get out of my team like the plague. And Almiron could be a great enabler if you don't have uh, available funds. So he's one who I think is a true punt. Yeah, I would say uh, another punt there is Sun. Also very expensive, but he can bang at any time. And if there is some counterattacking football in this match, that actually suits him better than a lot of these other teams that play a low block versus Tottenham. So he could be another option as well. Money is not going to really be an issue because most people will be moving off of somebody like KDB this week. So I don't really rate going to all the way down like Almiron because we don't need those funds as much for this game week. You need the best players and having penalties like Bowen and Zaha, that definitely helps and Salah as well. All right. Great question from Sonia about midfielders. I think that's going to be really relevant to managers with multiple free transfers or looking to reset their team uh, with a James Madison size hole in the middle. Let's go to our next question from Corey Cummings. He asks, what is the minimum amount of players you'd want to field for blank game week 12? 
How many hits would you take to get to a quality starting 11? Look, if you can have 10 playing players, I think that would be ideal. Anything less than that, I would consider a hit for. Obviously, you'd like to field 11. A lot of people are going to have bench strugglers like Nico Williams in their side. So that's going to be one or two points max. But taking a hit for players, you have to also weigh up if you're going to have these players in your team for multiple weeks, because then you kind of make up the hit over time. But if you're, for instance, just going to take hits and then wild card, it presents a different set of factors. So Bucks, I think you're kind of weighing up this question personally. So you should take this one. Yeah, so I'm locked into wildcard in game week 13. That's for sure what I'm doing. And as soon as blank game week 12 finishes, I will be activating my wildcard. So I right oh, now- Oh, you'll, you'll, you'll be activating as soon oh, as like the deadline seconds. passes. <laughs> yeah. yeah as soon as the deadline passes on Tuesday. <laughs> you're right. I'm, I'm too addicted to this game. So that's a good check uh, from my co-host there. But uh, I think for sure I'm taking a minus four. I had James Madison and I had six- City and Arsenal players coming into this transfer window. So I knew for sure I was going to take at least my two free transfers and then take a hit. So I'm now weighing if I'm going to take a minus four or a minus eight. And the reason I'm actually leaning towards taking a minus eight is because one, I can rationalize it being only a minus four because my guys that I'm transferring out won't have games. The guys I'm bringing in will and should be nailed to start. And secondly, I think I'm going to be bringing in my captain for blank game week 12, whether that's Trossard or Salah. So that is my strategy. I want to have 11 guys. And this is a a look ahead to some of the questions about free hit. But I think that eight points is not worth the free hit. I think the free hit is much more valuable than that. So I think that anything up to a minus eight hit is worthwhile to skip the free hit and save it for double game weeks later on in the season. I can agree with that. I I like to stick to minus fours if you can, but if you're going to be bringing in attackers, they're going to have a higher upside. Don't be taking multiple hits to bring in playing defenders. Just leave that spot blank or, or just play Nico for one point, right? Like don't, don't try and chase those low upside players but if you're going to take a hit to bring in some of the heavy hitting players for game week 12 and make sure that you're also using them as shields against the other players in your mini leagues and just the overall fpl game then that makes sense so it'll be an interesting use case here um but yeah you're going to see so many hits this game week so don't really sweat it and hopefully you'll be able to start at least 10 men yeah and i just think that having sala as your captain or trossard as your captain is is going to easily wipe away the pain of that minus four hit. So that's the rationale that I'm using. And again, I want to save most of my chips for the second half of the season when there are double game weeks and you can chase really big scores. Blank game weeks tend to be tougher to navigate from a stomach perspective because you're not excited about the team you have and whatnot. But the difference between 50 points and 65 points is the difference between a massive gray dot and a massive green arrow, and you'd feel great about that, but you wouldn't necessarily be chasing that 10-point difference. So uh, just important to set some context there. Next question also asks about game week 12, and Andrew Steinberg asks, is it worth using your free hit this week? So I know you just alluded to it, Bucks. The answer from us is definitely no, because we're going to have so many double game weeks at the end of the season. 
the free hit chip is actually very, very powerful. And you'll be able to hopefully spike triple digits easy in a double game week where you use your free hit. So when we're looking at game week 12, I think if you can get a score of 55 or more in this game week and you nail your captain, that's going to be pretty solid given that the top players from City and Arsenal are not involved this week. So if you can manage that, even after a hit, you'd be flying in my in my opinion. And just again, for some context, like looking at the average score of a number of my um, seasons pass per game week is about 65. So if you'll be having a really good season, if you can get about 65 points per game week on average. So definitely save the free hit because later in the season, when you can load up on all the best players in the double game weeks from the best teams, you will spike a massive haul. Yeah, and I just want to add that free hit you want to be able to field the best players in ideally two matches and it just hurts to field a free hit team without six slots going to the two best teams so it just seems a little bit wasteful here and i think even if you have six city and arsenal players like i do i think that's manageable you can get to 10 players but if you had the six spots from city and arsenal and you had reese james and you had James Madison, and let's get crazy and say you even had Trent Alexander-Arnold, then yeah, your desperate times are calling for desperate measures. Use the free hit chip. Don't do a minus 16. But I do think that if you can get away with a minus four or a minus eight to set your team up relatively well, that's, that's the move that we would recommend. That is one scary fucking haunted house of a situation scenario that you just put in front of us. I could not imagine having that kind of lineup plus those those flags across your team. So hopefully none of our listeners are in that spot. But if that was the case, then potentially, especially if you didn't have your wild card, you could look at the free hit and then you'd have all six of those city and arsenal assets back in your side for game week 13. So that's the important thing to remember there. All right, let's go to our final question. That comes from Nick Buckholtz. He's asking about Keppa. Is Keppa now fantasy relevant? Is he locked in as Chelsea's number one goalkeeper? And is Chelsea's defense now legit with the arrival of Graham Potter? Why don't you take this, Brian? I mean, so far, so good. They're outscoring their opponents. They're being able to rotate their defenders and given that the rotation of the players is quite high right now, Kepa has started every single match, him and Mounts under Graham Potter so far. So those are the most essential players right now with Reese James injured. And I like the, I like the shout, especially because they're going to be competing for champions league. And maybe Mendy gets a game here or there in the champions league when they have their spot locked in for the next round. But so far, he seems like he's the the number one. And with these saves coming in, it's it's very impressive so far what he's done. Yeah, he's much better with his feet than Mendy is. And I think that's the allure. So Potter can really have 11 pseudo outfield players to move the ball around and be uh, adept at passing the ball quickly and crisply uh, to the various players. So that's where Keppa is better than Mendy. I think from a pure shot-stopping perspective, Mendy is still the better player, but I don't think that's something we need to worry about right now in the first half of the season. I think when we get into the later stages of European football and there's double game weeks, then we'll need to have the headache of is Keppa or Mendy going to be the starter? Right now, Keppa is nailed, and he's going to continue to be nailed until he has a donk of a play like Mendy had a couple of earlier in this season. 
And if you're looking at game week 13 wildcard, the key combination is having Keppa at 4.4 and then having Danny Ward, who has now has two clean sheets in his last three matches. When I don't own him, that mother bleeper. But um, that's that's the great combo. And you're spending under 8.5 million in that slot, which is perfect. I agree. But we should just put some caution here because Chelsea have had a relatively easy run of fixtures and it's about to change for the worse from a defensive perspective. Their next five going into the World Cup, they play Brentford, United, Brighton, Arsenal, and Newcastle. So I think it would be optimistic to say that there's three clean sheets there. Again, it is the absolute budget option for two starting keepers is to get Keppa and Danny Ward. But I do think that Chelsea have been getting a little fortunate so far. Uh, Villa, they easily could have conceded. And listen, it's only going to get tougher. So Keppa is the starter, but uh, I wouldn't be expecting 10-point returns each and every game week. Look, I still haven't scored over two points in my keeper slot, so I dream of getting a (laughs) three-pointer and some save points. Jesus. All right, we're going to wrap up. Sorry to torture you there, Brian. I know, you're killing me. All right, thank you very much for sending in your community questions. We're going to take our last break and then discuss our transfer plans and captaincy shouts. We'll be right back. Let's do it. Transfer plans, captaincy, selection from your two hosts. I'll go first. I got two free transfers, lots of fires to manage. And I had James Madison, who's not playing. And I have six Man City and Arsenal players combined. So I told you earlier in the podcast, I was thinking of getting crazy and I'm getting crazy, baby. I'm going to use four transfer moves for a minus eight. I'm moving Jacob De Silva and Gabriel Jesus out. And I'm bringing in Trossard, Salah, Wilson, and Zaha. I'm not sure about the Wilson choice, but uh, he's the one iffy decision right now. But uh, I'm definitely bringing in those three midfielders, Trossard, Salah, and Zaha. And I'm going to give the armband to one Mo Salah as they go up against West Ham in game week 12. Interesting, interesting, Bucks. I mean, a minus eight is uncharted territory for you this season. I know you took a few of those last season because we also had to manage so many cancellations. I think that was actually one of our... One of our commandments this season was to try and avoid as many eight point hits as possible. But this is a unique situation. And that kind of really feels like taking a minus four if they all blank. And so you're chasing the upside. I like that you're getting pen takers in Sala and Zaha. Um, And I'm just surprised you're not going after our boy Mount after his back to back monster halls. He's definitely in my thoughts. I mean, the issue is I need to I need a forward option to line up next to Mitrovic, and uh, I can't be transferring out players without fixtures. The issue with De Silva is he's just eating up an incredibly valuable midfield spot, and it's hard for me to see one of Zaha or Trossard not outscoring the minus four hit by at least two points. So it just means it's worth it from that perspective to get in a guy that I might even want to hold after my wild card. So if I can get him in now before a price rise, it's, it's all gravy. All right. Yeah. Decent shout. And Wilson has a great fixture versus Everton. They could definitely put a few past Pickford. So he looks like a, a good option, especially looking at the fantasy football scout difficulty ratings. 
they have a top three fixture versus Everton this week. So, um, you know, I would usually shout Tony in this spot, especially as an owner, but he's playing Chelsea. So it makes sense to go with Wilson for one week and then you're in wildcard. So you're in a great spot. This is so much fun. Think about all these transfers that you're going to be making in the next like three days, like 20 different transfers. It's unreal because it's kind of like two wild cards in the course of two game weeks. It's almost like too much FPL being injected into my vein. It's like having a triple cold brew uh, with extra shots left and right because I'm just jittery when I hold the app open, just tempted to make moves galore on the transfer page. Yeah, we're going to have to have our game week 13 preview when you're on wild card with uh, espresso martinis. I think that's the the way to go instead of wild carding with whiskey. Oh, I love that shout. Uh, I'm always down, even if uh, bedtime be damned. <laughs> All right, moving to my team. I also have two free transfers. I rolled this week knowing that I still had the Reese James hole to fix. But honestly, I was just hoping for more defensive options to emerge. But right now it's pretty pretty bare bones uh, to be honest so i think i'll be looking at bringing in somebody like veltman or lewis dunk for james they play forest at home so that's a great clean shout and then i'll also be looking to move kevin de bruyne and madison as well so pretty similar to moves to what you're doing i'm eyeing up trossard and eyeing up sala in this instance and i think sala is a good captaincy shout or trossard i'll still be deciding between the two I actually think the ceiling for Trossard in terms of getting a brace might be higher, but the floor for Salah is higher than his because he's on pens. So I'll probably play it safe and go with Mo as my captain. If I bring him in, I wish Sonny boy was in better form. And I I do think that he could come away with double digits, maybe a 10 point haul versus United. So that that's somebody else to watch, but probably not going that way, given that, the goals have been unpredictable unless they're coming from Harry Kane's head or the penalty spot. Yeah, I wish I wish if Mo Salah blanked in this match against City, I would have been very comfortable skipping him. And that would have made it very easy for me to bring in Harry Kane and swerve him as a captaincy, have him as a shield and go Trossard as my captain selection. But I just think Salah getting in the goals, seeing the ball ripple the back of the net a couple times in the last couple runouts is uh, that's all he needs to get going. And he's such a form player and his upside is crazy. I mean, before we saw Holland, Salah was comfortably the best FPL asset I've ever seen. And uh, I just think that Liverpool could easily hang two to three goals on West Ham. Uh, so he's my pick for captaincy for blank game week 12, but we got to get green arrows here, right? The ship. And it's going to be a, Midweek fixture, so it's going to be chaos filled. So we just hope that our FPL Blues podcast community is able to navigate it in the best way possible, and you get good scores and good returns from your captain and your other players in this game week. Enjoy taking those hits, and we'll see you on Wednesday for our game week thirteen preview. Adios. Later.